almost everybody who goes through this journey goes through these six phases. And here's the thing. For me, phase two might be two years long. For you, phase two might just be two months long. For somebody else, phase six might be the one that really takes a year. For someone else, phase six might be a breeze and it takes them a few weeks. So even though there are six phases and there is a linearity to them, how long each phase takes really is a personal journey. Welcome to Your Brain on Trauma, where we share science-based tools to heal from childhood traumas so you can let go of patterns that might be holding you back, have better relationships, and pass on a legacy that you're proud of. I'm your host, Dr. Kavita Sun. I'm a Harvard-trained psychiatrist, a trauma recovery coach, and a survivor myself. I'm super honored to have you here. I've got so much to share with you. Let's dive in. My podcast family! Hey, Pod Squad! Hey, you! Hey, friend! How are you? Woohoo! We get to connect, we get to talk. Ah, I look forward to this time all week. And I just want to take a moment again to say thank you to all of you who have sent me private messages, so many, even this morning, emails, the reviews that I'm seeing. Gosh, you know, sometimes it's, it's weird just sitting alone in a room and talking into a microphone. <laughs> and when I hear back, it's kind of like hearing an echo, feeling like, oh, there's someone listening. Yes, there's, I'm not just talking into the abyss here. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Keep them coming. Please keep them coming. All right. So today I wanted to talk to you about the six phases that I've seen someone go through, including myself, when you're healing from the past and when you're wanting to show up differently and have better relationships, that entire journey, right? Almost everybody who goes through this journey goes through these six phases. And here's the thing. For me, phase two might be two years long. For you, phase two might just be two months long. For somebody else, phase six might be the one that really takes a year. For someone else, phase six might be a breeze and it takes them a few weeks. So even though there are six phases and there is a linearity to them, how long each phase takes really is a personal journey. It's unique to you and your story and your resilience and resources and how much healing is being made a priority in your life. In my own life, there have been times when I've made it a priority and there have been times, especially early on, even up until my late 30s, mid-30s, I would say. I was sort of uh, touch and go. I would try things here and there, but it wasn't a top, top 
priority. I thought it was. I wanted it really, really badly. But I didn't yet know how to face the angst and the confusion inside of me. So I want to share with you the six phases because one, you might recognize yourself in one of these phases. And I want you to know that there is hope. There is another phase. You are where you need to be on the journey. And also to give you some idea of how you might get to less pain and less suffering as quick as possible. So the first phase is the phase of being in sort of emotionally in a childish place, right? It's a place of reactivity. It's a place of blame. This is where we say things like, I can't believe my parents are so selfish. Why would, you know, my husband do this and not that? People who have these views are wrong. It's a very black and white, somewhat judgmental, unsure, easily offended place that comes from early wounds, right? And as we're in this phase, again, many people actually spend their whole lives in this phase, which is really sad because it's painful. It's a painful phase to be. It feels like you have no agency in the world. You don't see the world or experience the world as being a safe, trusting place. Relationships feel so hard. Your inner world feels so jagged. It's such a painful place to be. And to think that some people end up staying there for an entire lifetime. Jeez, gosh. For example, my parents, my grandparents, they didn't even know that there was any other way to be. They didn't even know that they could think about their thinking. I didn't know that I could think about my thinking for a long time. Being a psychiatrist, you'd think that they taught us how to have that skill. No. They teach you how to think about other people's thinking, but how to think about your own thinking? Not so much. Not yet. So in this place of feeling little and seeing everything as right and wrong and feeling insecure and unsafe in the world, oftentimes there's some sort of rock bottom. There's something that has us say, I cannot do this any longer. Something has got to change. Something's got to give. I can't go on like this any longer. I refuse to go on like this any longer. Whatever that moment is, sometimes it's some external event, but sometimes it's just an internal exhaustion, right? Whatever brings you to that moment, even though it seems like rock bottom, that is the moment of change. That's the moment of you becoming all of who you could be. Because in that moment, you refuse to go on living like this any longer. And you take on the no matter what, I need to heal. No matter what, I need to change these intergenerational patterns. No matter what, I refuse to live my life with this anxiety and with these relational troubles and with this 
panic inside of me and with this anger inside of me, no matter what, I'm going to pass on a different legacy. And in those moments of no matter what, this has got to change, you start taking personal ownership. You make it a priority. You put everything else aside and you say, I've got to figure this out. That's stage one. The stage of going from childlike blame and feeling stuck to rock bottom to personal ownership. And no matter what, I am going to prioritize this and heal. That whole thing is stage one. Once you are there, then you stumble into stage two. And oftentimes, stage two is it starts for most of us with some form of education. We're trying to get more information. We're like, what is this? Why am I feeling like this? Why are, why is getting along with other people so hard? Why do I lose my cool with my kids? What is going on? Why is this happening? And so you start searching online. You go get books, right? If reading is your thing, you devour books or you listen to podcasts, you're talking to other people that you think may have some sort of inner wisdom, something that they know that you don't. So you're gathering information. And it's a very important phase because even though in this phase, everything is so disjointed, it feels like you're going two steps forward and three steps back. You're only seeing glimmers here and there, but it's not clicking. It's not coming together. And you still have some sense of loneliness, of being different, of having to figure this out on your own. Some shame and some loneliness keeps you feeling separate from the world. And as you're gathering information, you're starting to recognize that with all the learning that you're doing, it's very hard to put it into practice when shit hits the fan, right? When you feel hurt and your old wounds are triggered, are poked at, it's really hard for you to hold on to the intellectual learning that you've been collecting. And that's an important phase to be in. Even though I often say information is not transformation, information is the beginning of transformation. Sadly, a lot of people stay there. They don't progress. It's kind of like you need a foundation for a house, but just a foundation does not a house make. This is a good foundation to begin to have intellectual understanding, to begin to piece together different ways of thinking about this and approaching this. But if we don't keep going to the third phase, you still will not have a home to live in, right? So the third phase then is community, is when you find healing containers of some sort where you are seen, you feel seen, you feel not different, you, you belong, and you can see that people who have been where you are now, exactly in this moment, wherever you are now, you see people who have been there 
or even who have been in places that you haven't even been. Maybe they, you see people who have, their rock bottom was lower than your rock bottom. And you see those people having healed. That sort of community of belonging, those sort of healing containers are priceless. And without that, healing can't be complete, in my opinion. This is why, as much as talk therapy is lovely, and you know, you go once a week and you sit by yourself in a room and vent to somebody who nods sympathetically and is on your side, it's a wonderful thing, but it's not the same as a community, a sense of belonging, a healing container. In one of the previous podcast episodes, I talked about how unconditional support, sort of cheerleader, which often therapy is, although it feels warm and fuzzy when you're there, it doesn't really change your life all that much in between sessions because you need unconditional safety and some challenge. And you need a sense of belonging, of being held in a sacred container with other human beings on this journey at different points in the journey. That's what a community does. That's what a group does. I firmly believe that you cannot heal on your own. Nor can I. I couldn't. I tried for many, many, many years. You need to find the container that can hold you, where you get a sense of belonging, where you can be held, and you also get to hold other people on their journey as well. It is incredibly empowering and a crucial step that many, many people miss. So that's the third stage. And the other thing about having a sense of belonging and community is that you lose the shame and the loneliness. And there is so much research to show that some of the most toxic things that can happen to a human nervous system is shame and loneliness. And trauma tends to combine both. It's like a double whammy. It's like you think that something is off about you, something isn't working right with you, and you're lonely. You have no one to talk to or no one who sees all of you and loves all of what they see. So that combo is deadly, right? And healing containers, when done correctly, remove shame and loneliness, which is like washing away years of trauma wiring. The fourth stage is what I call embodied healing, right? If you listened um, to the podcast that we titled it No More Band-Aids, A Model for Permanent Healing, one of the pieces of this permanent healing model is healing your nervous system, your body, and your sympathetic and parasympathetic autonomic nervous system. This fourth stage is when that has been combined with healing of your psyche so that you don't just think differently, you are different. You don't just act differently, you believe different things. That is embodied healing. You walk through the world different. Your energy, 
the way you hold yourself, your tone, the choice of words that you use, the way you approach things, the way you imagine things, all of that is different. That is what embodied healing does. And that, again, without that phase, we find ourselves in and out of therapist offices for the rest of time. The fifth phase is inside of this healing container, showing up in your embodied self energy and practicing taking baby steps as your true self inside the container and then in small steps in real life. One of the benefits of having a healing container is that it is a place where you almost um, get to reparent yourself. You learn the things that you didn't get to learn when you should have. The things that you didn't get to experience, the things that you didn't get to learn as an 8-year-old or a 12-year-old or a 17-year-old or a 22-year-old. This healing container gives you the chance to embody yourself as your true self and practice this new way of being. And you go out into your real life, practice in little ways, come back into this container, feel held, feel supported, feel reparented so you can go out into the real life again and practice, practice these baby steps. Again, crucial to being able to go to the final phase, which is reinvention. This is the phase where you have fully healed your mind, your body, and your relationships, and you have reinvented yourself as everything that is the best of you. And you've left behind the trauma wounds and the trauma reactivity and the trauma bonds and the ways in which we desperately try to be loved or accepted or good enough, right? All of that naturally falls by the wayside. It's not by force. It's not by will. It happens because you are embodying the being of a healed person. And that is the final sixth stage. And that stage then creates the second sort of phase of your life, the before and the after. And the after is the life of completely feeling safe, calm, excited for life, safe in the world, full, fully surrounded by loving, trusting, empowered relationships, taking risks, going after your dreams, doing big things. All of that is possible for you in the sixth stage, which then becomes just your way of being, just the life, just life, just day-to-day -day life. In my experience, we all have to go through these six phases. The difference is, do you get stuck in one of the phases or do you keep moving forward? And second, how long do you stay stuck, right? And my mission, I really do believe this is why I was put on this earth, other than being my daughter's parent, which I believe I was born to be, the mission of 
helping other people really fully, deeply, and permanently heal so that they can become ripple effects in their families, to their children, and the next generations, to their communities. I truly believe that that is what I can offer this world. That really is my small but mighty zone of genius. I have very few talents. For example, I can't even find my way between my house and Walmart. Like if there's construction on the way, I will lose my way. I only know one way to get to places. And if there's a problem, I'm lost. I have very few talents. But this is my zone of genius. So these are the six phases. I want you to pause for a second and think about where might I be on this linear path? And what do I need so that I can move forward? so that I can complete what I came on this earth to do. I urge you to consider that and to take those steps in whatever way feels right to you, because you are here for something bigger. Your true self is magnificent. As Rumi said, we all know how to love. We just need to get rid of obstacles in the way. Paraphrased. Your true self is magnificent and it's already there. The obstacles are things that we need to heal so they can fall away so that your true self can shine. As always, I love you. I think about you every day. Every day I think about you guys who listen to the podcast, who support and just you're part of my journey as well, as much as I'm a part of yours. And I'm deeply, deeply grateful. Big, big hugs. And I'll talk to you in a few days. Hi, my friend. If you found this episode helpful, come join us in our free Facebook group called Your Brain on Trauma. The link is in the show notes. And there is a whole community there of women just like you who are on this sacred healing journey. We cannot heal in isolation. We need community. And that's what we have in our free Facebook group. I'll see you there.